Hey everyone, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by the good folks at Chocograms. Chocograms. I am excited to continue to tell you about our wonderful advertiser, Chocograms. Are you looking for delicious things? The holidays are coming. You know, October's coming. I say, what better way to celebrate fall than with delicious sweets? Winter's coming. You get to wear coats to cover up your belly. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Jesus, what's going to become of us now? <laughs> Jacket fan Andy Secunda just came to life. <laughs> oh boy, it's my time. Uh, but chocolate grams is great. You can do. I mean, look if you're looking for activities to do at home, they have a DIY chocolate kit, so you can make bark and put all kinds of things in it: pretzels, uh, gummy bears. Uh, uh, potato chips even you can go with a white chocolate a dark chocolate a milk chocolate uh, you can do it all at home with the kids if you want to or if you're lazy like myself and you want something pre-made they do that too delicious uh, delicious chocolate high quality ingredients and all sourced uh, from places that aren't uh, making it with random ingredients that aren't chocolate and they also have these choco bombs. You drop them into uh, the hot liquid of your choice, uh, and uh, it's a chocolate, and then it melts into the milk or the water, and then a a, a, a marshmallow pops up from within. <laughs> Just out of the thing. Like, well, how did this happen? I'll tell you what. So it was replicated. You. A replicator can't. I, honestly, I don't think a replicator could do it. No, you're probably right. Computer replicate one hot chocolate bomb. It'd be like, that recipe has not been programmed. But it has been programmed over at Chocograms. So why don't you go order some? And if you use the promo code Frank Sinatra, come on, you will get 15% off your first order. Go to ilovechocograms.com. That's I-L-O-V-C-H-O-C-O-G-R-A-M-S.com. And use the promo code Frank Sinatra, come on, all one word, at checkout to save 15% off your first order. And uh, if you want to order something from October 1st through the 9th, the Chocogram folks will be donating $5 per item ordered to the Women's Rights Project ACLU in honor of the late, great Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So So nice. Please, everyone, uh, take part in that and uh, show them that uh, you are also terrified and uh, respect the glorious, glorious uh, career and life of uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. October 1st through the 9th, they'll be donating $5 to the Women's Rights Project for the ACLU in honor of Justice Ginsburg. Tell them Matt and Andy send you. Frank Sinatra, come on. Save 15% off your first order. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before.
Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. And I'm Devin Aniral. All right. <laughs> We're all here. He's the fan favorite. He's never not going to be a very funny clip for me to click on every day. Even when I'm not recording the podcast, Andy, I'll just pull open the soundboard and I'll listen to this. And I'm Devin Aniral. And then the other thing I like to listen to when I'm not recording is this. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. That's true. I if either, That's a fact. Either of those are anybody's uh, ringtones. Oh, my God. If I knew the guy that played Devin Aniral, that would be his personalized ringtone. Bo- like, when he called me, this is what my phone would do. And I'm Devin Aniral. I'd be like, oh, it's Phil. Whatever the guy's name is. You don't um, want to get on the phone with that guy. <laughs> that, guy <laughs> that guy's bad news. Well, look, as long as he's not using his uh, powers to cheat anybody, I'm okay with it. Uh, that's what he does. Oh, what? That's all no! He does. But he's so <laughs> so charming and swarthy. <laughs> that's right. I said it again. I think he's 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 literally oily. Yeah, I think. He's, yeah, remember him being very shiny. Oily, oily, oily. Okay. So uh, that being said, it's time to answer the following question that some are waiting for. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, I've seen this episode twice. That's enough. Oh, snuck it in. Seemed like you were distracted there for a second. Well, I was like, I was, I was just asking myself, per, like, do I turn this down on the source or on the mixer? And I was I, sure. I decided, sure. I said, I decided source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I hit the post. So whatever, just being a great radio host, that's that's no problem. That's what I, I do. Like you, nu- you nudged the post. I feel like you. Oh, I think if you listen back, uh, your your Zoom your Zoom uh, probably is just uh, oh, is a delay tiny lag. Is that there. it? All right, all right. You just fair didn't enough. Here, the pure and utter perfection. I mean, Whatever I could say. do it perfectly like this, and I think there's one other guy who could probably do it perfectly like this. I'm trying to remember his name. And I'm Devin Aniral. That's it. It was Devin Aniral. He's the other guy who could do it as perfectly as I can. One of the great podcasters, Devin Aniral. Devin Aniral is really just one of the. One of the finest uh, former Joe Rogan guests. Imagine Joe <laughs> Devin and I roll on Rogan. Uh, yeah, that'd get him good in times. <laughs> All right, so that uh, seems like as good a time as any to head over to the Admirals Club, right? Why not? Okay. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, yep. how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, they head to iTunes. They leave a five-star okay. review, and that's yeah. exactly how you join the Admirals Club. Well, it's actually Apple Podcasts now. that uh, We've been doing this podcast so long that Apple changed the way you get podcasts. <laughs> yep. Um, the first Admirals Club admittee uh, in regards to the five-stars requirement says there are four stars with uh, exclamation points behind, behind <laughs> each, each, each word. <laughs> Alexandra enjoys it. Um, that is from Katie Campbell. Katie Campbell, thank you so much. And he writes, uh, or she writes, uh, what I, I didn't put in the review was that at the end, he gave me a choice between a life of comfort or more torture. All I had to do was say that I could see five stars when, in fact, there were only four. <laughs> You didn't say it? No, no. 
but I was going to. <laughs> I would have told him anything, anything at all. But more than that, I believed I could see five stars. <laughs> I so jumped into the Picard voice a little late. Some in that. people <laughs> accidentally believe that this podcast is worth five stars. <laughs> That's a very funny review. I enjoy that uh, more than more than Alexander does. I'll tell you. Uh, that's tough to beat, but his laughing is fake anyway. Um, our, uh, I, I decided, our second, I decided the Devonati Rall um, sound is too low. Okay, so I'm gonna try to boost it and see see what that. <laughs> you gotta, gotta make sure see what that does. For it's us. right on the money. It's see very what, important. See what we can get here. Let's hear it. Okay. All right, now here it is. Uh, oh, hang on, I gotta export. Uh, all right, who's next in the Arabs Club? While I do this amazing thing, no one's waiting for but me. Next is Ignorant Atheist, who writes, uh, the title is, Not My Cup of Tea, Earl Grey, Hot. <laughs> this podcast, not the best. It is only okay. Uh, if I am flipping through the channels and this comes on, <laughs> I would only listen to the next commercial break. I only give it five out of ten stars. That's uh, a beautiful use of the five-star... <laughs> review system or the five out of blank it's true i love it is uh, he or she is referring to uh matt's uh standard my scale. Uh, way of judging huh my scale of of trek yeah, goodness scale and let's hear like, how it sounds now ready here it is okay and i'm devin on jesus a little too hot i think we're gonna have too to we're hot gonna, absolutely we're gonna pull hot. it back a little bit everybody all right okay i'll keep working on this andy who's the next admiral <laughs> That's it. That's it for Admirals. All right. Well, we should head over to the President's Circle then. Okay. And that was the Admirals Club. You're very off on the timing of that. On the singing? I think it's uh, it's how we hear each other. Oh, you're saying because I'm listening to yeah. it on Zoom. Oh, interesting. Um, but, I, look, I appreciate your singing. Andy, well, uh, now that we're the president. Matt, if you circle. could go back later and edit to make sure that I'm right right on there. Well, you know, sometimes the singing is, is perfect. Sometimes it's a little wonky, but uh, I try my best. That's all we can do here, everybody, is try. Speaking of trying... If you want to try and support this show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and uh, become a patron. And, well, what do you get besides uh, that, that feel-good feeling every time that monthly bill comes and you go, wow, I just supported my favorite podcast. You also get... <laughs> You're really, you're really up yeah, ascribing a lot to their, uh, to their, their how they're ranking us in their <laughs> podcasts. You get up to four bonus episodes where Andy and I talk about, well, Voyager, Enterprise. Yeah, doing two episodes of Voyager now. Yeah, two episodes every month. Can you handle it? I can't. Oh, my God. It's like we're in the Delta Quadrant. This is going to take forever. Enterprise, Lieutenant's Level, and then we're doing uh, Lower Decks. We're going to do four episodes of this, just sneaking we're, it in before the end of the we're month. We're going to cover four episodes of Lower Decks in one episode. We're going to a put into production. We're going to write megapod. and put into production. <laughs> we're going to see if CBS All Access will take our spec scripts. <laughs> I have funny jokes about Star Trek as well. 
Anyway, uh, so yeah, Andy, uh, every every week we like to single out somebody for a particularly good contribution to the president's circle, uh, a patron, a lieutenant. Who is it this week who gets the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor? Well, it's Neil Studd, who uh, actually sent it in as a tweet, but he is in the president's circle, <laughs> so uh, he still qualifies. And uh, he wrote us uh, on the latest Star Trek TNC Patreon episode, uh, Enterprise uh, one, uh, Season 1, Episode 8. We were treated to this horrific trailer for the episode that followed. Um, Matt and Andy asked what it would have been like if TNG trailers had been cut the same. So with apologies, here we go. Oh. Do you want to set this up? This is Yeah, everyone, this is the trailer I loved uh, to hate so much from... Uh couple weeks back on Enterprise. It is literally the truth. People are dying and I can't determine why. Tell us what you know. We might be able to help. But became something more personal. There are lots of inhabited planets to see, but I doubt many will be this memorable. An all-new Enterprise. <laughs> and that's season one where before, before they were throwing Star Trek on top of it. Do you know what I mean? They just called it Enterprise. They didn't even call it Star Trek Enterprise. Interesting. Uh, so Neil Studd like went dad ahead. Branding. <laughs> Did you say dad branding? That is dad branding. <laughs> if I ever saw it, I said bad branding. Oh, he said dad branding. <laughs> That's something a dad would do if you just threw him into marketing. <laughs> dad. <laughs> Most of Let's Mad- see what my dad has to say about this. Most of Mad my- Magazine's Star Trek parodies were like it, full of dad jokes. To be honest with you, my dad was in advertising, so um, so he would actually uh, he would he would have had a lot of sound opinions about. I it. think we should get your dad on the next episode of uh, Patreon Enterprise. Uh, I'm sure he'd be delighted. <laughs> I'd be like Andy's dad, what did you think of this episode? Oh my god! Oh, can, does he zoom? Has he figured that out? He has. He'd oh. definitely be better at faking his way through not knowing what was going on than I do. Oh, <laughs> this sounds like it should happen at some point. Uh, but in the meantime, so Neil took the inner light and uh, he put on a, an appropriately ridiculous song. And here's what it would sound like. A mystery of unknown origin. Record of sick bay. Captain's hurt. Traps Picard in another world. My prisoner here. And another. Now... You can hear the original music of the trailer back in the background of that. You know, very hard to cut around. So uh, yeah, I think he, I think he copped to that. It's in one of the tweets. Normally, Neil, uh, I'd be coming down on you pretty hard, but you did three. So what am I gonna do? Uh, here we go. Check the next, the next generation. Fires up the Enterprise. Well, hang on. This is actually this one. You should get actually high marks for this because it features our favorite character of all time. Star Trek: The Next Generation. Action fires up the Enterprise when Consul of Troy meets the mysterious diplomats. When I first saw you, I felt as if I'd been waiting for you. But he's hiding special powers that could destroy critical negotiations. You're reading their emotional states and then using that to manipulate them. On Star Trek: The Next Generation. Seven And of course, uh, oh my God, you did you did four. I didn't even see the... This is very committed. The Muppet Babies one. Are you here to relieve me of duty? I am here to relieve you of duty. 
I'm still Jean-Luc Picard. And a powerless young captain is about to lose his ship to hostile aliens. Computer, deactivate all command functions, authorization, Riker Omega-3. We have secured the bridge. Stripped of command, can Picard stop a savage attack? I will execute every child. <laughs> the trailer just says that he's stripped of command. It's definitely Not that inspired. he's been made a child. It's definitely inspired to use a Smash Mouth for that one. Look, it changes I changes uh, the whole episode. I think if anyone wants to build on Neil Studd's uh, prowess, and uh, well, quite frankly, you'd have to have a lot of time on your hands. I don't know, like maybe a global pandemic was happening, um, and uh, recut your own trailer with some terribly '90s music. I would appreciate it. But thank and you. You're looking for Matt. Thank you're you, optimally, yeah. You're optimally hoping for someone to cut their own trailer. Yeah, I mean, to, look, you can you could steal the script of a trailer and just yeah. re-record the opening, or cut out the uh, the the audio of the uh, narrator. Yeah, you're looking for a. And I want it done in HD. I don't want any of the standard deaf stuff. Come on, guys. You're looking for a real work of art. I want to. I want to look. I, art is subjective, and Neil's was certainly art. But I want art that I would pay for. Thank you. <laughs> for free. I want it for, for, for free. free. <laughs> for free. Let me yes. add that. Let me also add that. This is free also. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, uh, say what you will. You are the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor uh, winner this week, uh, Neil. And now let us go into the Priority One messages proper. All right. It's time for Priority One messages proper. No, that's not it. It's this one. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Um, this is uh, just to continue with Neil Studd's uh, commentary, but it was on the Patreon, so I separated it. Uh, this is regards to ship in a bottle and all the, the, the Sherlock Moriarty nonsense. The Conan Doyle estate uh, is uh, in a weird place at the moment. Although most of the Sherlock stories are now public domain, the final ten books written considerably later after he fought in the First World War, are still under copyright. What this means is, although people have free reign to reuse the Sherlock characters, there are certain, quote, protected character traits which can't be used uh, if they were first established in the final ten books. Uh, You can't, for instance, show Holmes having an affection for dogs. That's still copyright. (laughs) This was covered recently on episode 338 of the No Such Thing as a Fish podcast. Is that a Sherlock podcast? I don't know, but I love it. Whatever it is, this is all all good information. Um, This is one of our favorites. uh, Mark C., in parentheses, transporter chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside (laughs) Straight, and now all-powerful user of the Synths... Uh, imagination fixing device. <laughs> Alexander likes it as much as I do. Uh, he says to us, a combined Matt and Andy would make a great Starfleet officer. As a cadet, you could give Matt control 90% of the time to get good grades, while Andy has control 10% of the time uh, to get a reputation as a living legend, like Locarno <laughs> without the air disaster. As Ensign, Matt takes full control. He follows orders perfectly, leading to quick promotion to lieutenant uh, or even lieutenant commander. At this point, we need Andy to take over to quote a future episode without spoiling ta- uh, tapestry. If you want to get ahead, you have to take chances, stand out in a crowd, get noticed. Uh, Andy takes them to captain where they share duties 50 50 and take over depending on the mission. To help the crew understand their dual-minded captain, they could announce their presence. Matt in control would say, Captain on the bridge, leading everyone to straighten up. Andy would yell, Secunda! And everyone would order pizza from Ted Ford. (laughs) 
Uh, would we be Myrunda? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like a, a, like the, the, like the Tuvix version yeah, of being you. If our transport. Anybody wants accident. to draw that, feel free. Oh, please. I mean, it would, <laughs> we're really asking for a lot of a lot of free labor. It would just be week. you fatter with a beard. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's, that's true. all it would be. <laughs> we have different shape faces. Uh, we have uh, a lot of different things. But the beard and then the weight and then you got us together. It wouldn't help your hairline. I can tell you that. No, much. nor would my hairline help really anybody's hairline, let alone Andy's hairline. Our hairlines. Mm-hmm. Let's just say full reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Really embarrassing for both uh, of us. That was a really funny uh, way to s- describe hair loss on a <laughs> Star Trek fine. podcast. Yeah, it was really it was funny. Fine. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> it's really yeah, I think funny. that was good. That was really funny. That was so good. come up with a jingle for Matt evaluates his own jokes in a positive way. Um, <laughs> thank you, Alexander. Well, Lieutenant I mean, Brand- it's probably why you enjoy improv so much, uh, just because the specificity of the moment to need oh, sure. to deliver that joke in any reasonable <laughs> capacity. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Brandon Davis writes us, how long were Data, Picard, and Barkley trapped in the holodeck? How mad was Riker when Data didn't take over the night shift? Also, is Data on duty 24-7? Goes to uh, heading night watch, goes he- from heading night watch to ops during the day? There are times he gets a break, but makes it, uh, it interesting in how often that is. Well, he got more of a break when, uh, when our good buddy Jellico came over and gave another shift out. That's true. Yeah. Maybe he did all four shifts. Maybe that's why Data was way on board whatever Jellico said. Finally, someone gives me a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was saying that he worked all four shifts. He probably would have been excited to do it. Don't Feed After Midnight Podcast writes us, Theory, they never left the holodeck ever. That would be a great episode. If that happened like seven episodes later. <laughs> oh, my God. They just they died on, on, uh, on Viridian 2. Yeah, or you pull back at the end of the episode. They're like sending Moriarty off into into his fake world, and then you pull back and you see Moriarty pulling the chip out, and he's actually (laughs) fooled them. Wow. That's pretty meta. Yep. Lieutenant Commander Cosmo Moore writes, uh, Best Barkley episode to date? Or is it a Barkley app? Or is it just an app with him as a guest star? On another podcast, they had a guest uh, on who was a writer that participated in Voyager's open pitch policy. One of his pitches was for Moriarty. Episode starts off with Harry, uh, spelled Harry, H-A-R-Y. So I don't know if that was a, uh, that's a, uh, um, an iPhone change or if he's making a joke about Harry. Who's not that Harry? So I don't know if it works. Episode starts off with Harry on <laughs> Deep Space Nine prior to Voyager's launch, and uh, Quark sells him the cube from the end of the episode. It was a junk salvaged from the Enterprise wreckage. Cut to several years later, Harry finally gets around to uh, checking out the cube. Moriarty has been through hell in the simulated Hang on. So world. So this would have to start with a flashback to the DS9. Why is that so crazy? I just, like, I don't know. Flashbacks really aren't a thing in Star Trek until Picard started every episode with a flashback. Uh, I dig it. I like it. I also was... Continue. Okay. Um... Uh, so he's been through hell in the simulated world. The Countess is dead. He is (laughs) angry. He ends up getting a hold of the doctor's mobile, uh, uh, mobile, mobile emitter. Uh, he and the doctor have some interesting interactions. The producer loved the idea, but they had a strict policy on not using things from the past. 
So stupid. I really thought that that would have been a great episode, in my opinion. Strict policy on not using things from the past. I assume they wanted to cart their, you know, carve their own path on Voyager. But why bring Q in? So true. Amongst other, why things. bring Q in? Why bring Barkley in? Why? I mean, why bring Troy in? Why? Why bring the Borg in? Well, maybe that was further on. I don't want to hear it, Andy. <laughs> all right. It's a bad idea. All of it. Uh, Commodore Six D Four writes us. <laughs> this is one of my favorite episodes ever. Ever, for, uh, but from the sorry. But the beginning of the episode has bothered me ever since the first. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. Good news, everybody. It's been remastered HD on YouTube. Smash Mouth's channel. Oh, boy. I forgot it was a tie in to Mystery Men, the music video. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bill Macy, Paul Rubens, Gene Garofalo, Ben Stiller. What a hoot. Who's Paul Ma- Bill Macy in it? He's the construction worker guy. What is the he construction do? worker power superpower guy? <laughs> I don't remember what his power. I don't remember what anybody's power is other than bowling balls. Janine? No, it isn't Janine the bowling ball guy, and that's the head of her dad. I said I don't know what anybody's powers are other oh, than the I bowling see. I ball. No, no, no. He, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that was the mystery men minute. That was the. Um, that's the. That's the true mystery of mystery men. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the funniest ending jokes uh, of uh, of any comedy. You movie. know what's funny about that is uh, I don't even remember. I don't remember. I don't know if I should blow it. I don't. Don't think blow, it. blow it because we're gonna cover it in our mystery in a mystery men podcast. <laughs> we're gonna be the the mis- the two mystery men. Anyway. Uh, so Bill Macy was the shoveler. Let's come up with a title for our Mystery Men podcast. He was the shoveler. Mystery. Slash Eddie. He was a quarry worker Man. turned superhero who wields a shovel. Uh, uh, Mystery uh, Mavens. I love it. Let's do, do it. Okay, great. Um, uh, the beginning of the episode has bothered me ever since the first time I saw this episode, the original airing. Uh, this order of things. Uh, one, Jordy and Data experience the left-hand, right-hand switcheroo error in the holodeck. Two, Barkley shows up to work on the holodeck. Three, Data gives Barkley literally the vaguest possible explanation of the problem they experienced. Four, Barkley immediately tests the holodeck by testing the left-right-handedness of Moriarty. What? How the hell did he know how to test the handedness of Moriarty? There's nothing that gives the impression of any further conversation between Jordy, Data, Barkley about the error, nor a passage of time in which the conversation might have occurred. I call shenanigans. That's interesting. I didn't even pick up on that, that, more, that, that no one says anything about this is what that would do. Maybe... As soon as something happens to Data, he he transcribes it in his positronic, positronic net and sends a memo out to everyone. Oh, and that's why uh, Barkley was rushing? Exactly. He's like, I got the memo! <laughs> <laughs> um, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison says, Finally, Frank Sinatra, come on, has some relevance to Trek. He performs in Cerritos. Which is the name <laughs> of the shit in uh, Lower Decks. Uh, Lieutenant Jean-Marie Short uh, writes us, theory unrelated to this episode, it's a Worf theory Andy's theory was that he was a pacifist I think that Worf never wanted to be a tactical officer security chief Tasha died and he got stuck in that position before that he was in command red probably working his way up the command ladder 
uh, on his way to being the first Klingon captain of Starfleet. Then some tar creature ruined everything. So he was promoted to security chief because he has too much honor to decline the position. He just decided to do a really bad job so that he could get reassigned. He sees the job as security chief as nowhere is Ville for his career. So he misses shots, lets the captain be kidnapped, makes crazy tactical decisions, just so someone will understand his plight. Finally, once he goes to DS9 and, spoiler Andy, is promoted, uh, he is back to a red shirt and is once again a badass Klingon, just like he always wanted. She's saying, well, basically. Yes, that he was in yeah. Command Red, but I, I'm also like, I'm thinking about, he does something. I'm not, spoiler? I don't know. Do you want me to? I'll take off my my headset, and you can. If anybody wants to avoid a spoiler, you can. Deep Space Nine Wharf spoiler on one mission, he jeopardizes uh, everything to save Dax, and that uh, goes on his permanent record. And Cisco's like, "You'll probably never make captain because of this." So his dream is dead, everyone. Okay, Andy. Spoiler oh. over. I wonder what it was. You'll never know. Will we know soon? <laughs> I mean, you'll know in like two and a half years, three years. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant Greg C. writes, uh, had, one, I had to look up sagacity. Two, uh, something big. Uh, Daniel Davis played the CO of the Enterprise in The Hunt for Red October. All right. That's so true. What a crazy coincidence. Uh, or was it intentional? I don't think it was intentional. And I don't really... I mean, it is a coincidence. It's a, so I it's guess a Moriarty finally took over. I mean, the, it's uh, less of a coincidence than, say, when in Star Trek Four they need to find nuclear radiation to recharge their lithium crystals, and the ship of the nuclear reactor they find is the Enterprise. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not even that's not a coincidence. That's intentional. Well, I'm confused about words. Thank you, everyone, for bearing with us. Dun, 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 dun. Matt's confused about words. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Andy Puckett, TNC's resident astrophysicist, this is going to get nerdy, uh, writes us, you can't smash two gas giant planets together and form a star, which is what sustained, quote, sustained nuclear fusion would mean. Gas giants are at most 10 times the mass of Jupiter. Beyond that, we would call them brown dwarfs. Oh. But you would need... 80 Jupiter masses to call something a star, fusing hydrogen into helium in its core. Smashing two gas giants together would get you at most 20 Jupiter masses. I wonder if they were two brown dwarfs. If two brown dwarfs got smashed together, then would it create a a star? Okay, thank you. Please write in later. Thanks. Um, I don't know. It's all over my head. I'm, I'm making the uh, the motion that uh, Lord Dern makes in uh, in uh, Jurassic Park. To, uh, yeah, she does it with a sound effect to Jeff Goldblum, even though she's also a scientist. She is, but she's a bio <laughs> biologist. She's a she's a she's a paleobotanist. It just seems like the but it's like if she started talking about isn't look, something you should have had the other scientists do. <laughs> if she started talking about uh, extinct fauna. Yeah, you know, uh, and why it was extinct, or even the process of photosynthesis. Well, then not photosynthesis, but like you know, plant stuff. I think yeah. eh, Goldblum might go ah, uh, plants. Wow, uh, then he'd, that, yeah, that's that, true. that would be what he'd do. Maybe he'd yeah, go, he'd go plants. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, uh, uh, you do. You do have to. Ha- do plan on having uh, plants on your on your on your plant <laughs> tour, right? Hello, uh, Lieutenant. Oh, Braden Jeff Goldblum. You'd make a Cadenelli. great Devonani role. I'm sure you're going to play it. <laughs> I was going to, but I, I lost. Couldn't it. find it. I lost it. Lieutenant Braden Cadenelli writes us. Uh, and I'm Devonani Rao. <laughs> Still too loud, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. At least from my side, but I don't know. I'm I'm like in my own speaking, my own little weird shuttle where where everything is happening a a second behind. Uh, Hashtag hashtag Team Matt three weeks in a row. I'm starting to think Captain Matt might uh, have to move some science division personnel to security, protect him from Commander Secunda, (laughs) and any plans he and Moriarty might be hatching. (laughs) You guys are mischievous. (laughs) Uh, Lieutenant Eric Peebles writes us. Peoples, not Peebles. Um, this is one of a handful of episodes I remember watching first airing, mostly for the great reveal. But I noticed something when I watched again. Crusher confirmed Moriarty was a flesh and blood being with DNA. Uh, I assume the holodeck doesn't create characters that are essentially living automatons or that Moriarty's body popped into existence when he left the holodeck through sheer force of will. It's a giant red flag that Picard just accepts. They should know that if he was real, he would be an energy and light construct somehow held together. Picard had a rough month, so we can let it slide. <laughs> he is fresh off so of torturing. It's just, just with torture, so he's not thinking clearly. He is uh, fresh off of torturing, which, which uh, when you watch the episode, it could have happened over the course of, I don't know, a week or 12 hours. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if we're buying the... No, I guess... No, I, don't, I don't know what the timeline is on the Jellicoe side. Uh, Lieutenant Dylan Ekmalian writes... Long enough to get rid of that fish. Yeah. Okay, continue. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, Did anyone else think that Moriarty... This is uh, Dylan Ekmalian. Did anyone else think that Moriarty did not... uh, uh, Was not actually able to free... To feel... Sorry. Uh, There's a a little bit of a misprint here. Uh, Was not actually able to feel the time-lapse... He is decept- he's a deceptively cunning, manipulative villain. I think he was just lying to get out of the holodeck. Hmm. I like it. I like I, that course, theory, that head theory. I, of course, don't agree, but even if he did, uh, you know, he's still being dealt with in an unfair fashion. Andy wants more fairness for Moriarty. That's right. That's. I'm going to make a button. <laughs> uh, Moriarty 2020. Moriarty should be listened to! He has never proven otherwise. Well, the one time, remember one time when he threatened the whole ship and had our cat doctor? Doesn't matter! That was only because they were not helping him get out and be a real living being, even though he had consciousness. All he, but all he, was, all he was made to do was defeat Data. <laughs> yeah, that, and when he, before he attained consciousness. What if it was just in an arm wrestling match? <laughs> he was just sort of like mean Moriarty, like but once, Moriarty was like, the greatest arm wrestler in history. What if it was like some anything? Like it could have been like a blackjack or like game of go fish or checkers or Super Mario Brothers three. Whatever it was, Data played yeah. a game with Moriarty in the holodeck, right? Deliberately lost, and that uh-huh. would that would shut down the program. Yeah, I wonder if he had faked it. If that would have worked. Thank you. Uh, someone out there would have been a good solution. Let me know. 
Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray writes, uh, wonder if Andy defends Khan with as much conviction. After all, Kirk did leave him down on a planet, never came back to check on him, and then 15 years later wanted his revenge. Khan and Moriarty have largely the same background and motivation, super intelligent, super ambitious, quasi-insane. Wouldn't Kirk and Picard... Uh, both be within the purview of their responsibilities to be distrustful of them. What if it was Ted, uh, a Ted Bundy holodeck creation believed to be loose on the ship because Data liked to play FBI, mine hunter in his spare time? Would Andy be so eager to just let the guy be free? Yes, Andy would be. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray, um, I'll tell you what I think about that. Uh, first, uh, Khan was already himself and had free will when he tried to take over a planet. Moriarty had just attained consciousness. Um, and with that consciousness, at the end of the episode, he gives himself over to the trust of Picard. So I think that shows a moral growth uh, that Khan never showed. That's A. Um, and then what was B? Oh, if it was Ted Bundy. You know what? <laughs> If it was the same circumstances and Ted Bundy suddenly wasn't acting like Ted Bundy and what? And uh But don't you, you think know, I, don't you think that like a little bit of Moriarty's plan could have been to delay the game a little bit? Like what do you mean? To like give over the sh- return the ship to Picard's control in an effort to try again in a more effective manner. Like taking everything he's learned from this battle of wits with Picard, yeah, and 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 then being able to attempt it in a more um, in a more efficient manner. Don't you think that's You're possible? Saying, Don't you think it's possible? Was he using this as a learning? Don't you think that it's possible that Professor James Moriarty <laughs> was using his guile and cunning, uh-huh. <laughs> in a way? Not entirely transparent to those on board the ship. In a way, not entirely transparent. You're, you're saying what were the motivations that some of the people here are, are are inferring that he had? Isn't it possible that he had those motivations? Yeah, I'm saying that. Is it? You know? Yes. I, I, it's, it's this is my point. It's possible, but if you look at his actions at the end of the last time we saw him. They were moral and trusting. Well, look, I we talked about it. I'm not going to re-talk about it. Okay. But I I, I I just think that you're a little too forgiving of yeah. literature supervillains running around <laughs> the Enterprise. That's all. You know, Sherlock was an opium addict. What Nobody if ever, it was uh... Voldemort? <laughs> you know what? If it was any of these people and they were programmed <laughs> that way... <laughs> And then they were freed what if and it was, allowed to be their it, own being. What if it was the Emperor from Star Wars? Emperor, well, he's evil. He's just flat out evil. Right, but what if uh, <laughs> he took over the Enterprise? Uh, is his voice sound? Is his voice yes. the, when he's the politician? Or is it like, well, I think it's fully operational. Uh, I think it's actually uh, the Empire Strikes Back Emperor. 
Gotcha. The original oh, emperor. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Captain. Uh, <laughs> Very calm voice. <laughs> and those, those weird monkey eyes. Um, um, so if it's him, right? And Jordy yes. created him. I, I would. Uh, my my argument stands if the st- if the structure of the thing is the same in any event. Whereas you, they're programmed to be a thing. Who is the most evil character in 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 your mind? Like, what if it was just the Eye of Sauron? <laughs> First of all, I would love to watch them just calmly interacting with the Eye of Sauron. That and it just would be blink- It just blinked at Picard in Morse code. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just... No, he, was, he just spoke in whispers uh, and shit. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, like, where does it end for you, Andy? All you have to do is show some this sort of... This is the point. It doesn't end anywhere as long as the, the, the newly created being acts in a moral fashion contrary to our expectations of that person, then I think my argument stands. I'm not saying you don't want to keep an eye on him or her. Well, that's what he wants to do. And, you know, he did send off well, a thing. My I mean, argument you're, is expecting, he... you're expecting uh, Picard to yeah. mainline Earl Grey tea and not sleep uh-huh. until he solves the problem. You know, some, somebody, many people, I'm not going to say one person, because many people said... Uh, many people. Many people said uh, that the way to do it would not have been to copy the program and send it to Starfleet. It would have been to remove the program and give it to Starfleet. Oh, I don't, so, even, I don't even think they copied the program. I don't think they did either. I think they were like, very here are the circumstances. Anything we can do... <laughs> The end. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've yeah. got to go fight the Borg. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's busy. I'm saying he should have he should have sent Moriarty back to Starfleet so that you could have experts working on but it. But then, the what clock. if you send Moriarty back to Starfleet? Would you really send Moriarty back to Starfleet? This more this malicious program back to Starfleet, the heart of the Federation. Like, well, what if he then takes it over? That's what I'm saying. That would have been a good follow up episode. What if he I mean, becomes like control? Yeah, maybe maybe he was control. I'm just oh, no, saying. Predated. No, he could postdated be. control. It could have been like some sort of leftover. I'm saying. I'm sorry. I meant that control predated him. However, he could have. Didn't, did control come back from the future? Did we establish that? We did not establish that. Right. Right. All right didn't well, we not establish that? I don't even remember. That's how much of a mess that is. Okay, <laughs> it's time to not continue to talk about this. We've set our piece. Lieutenant, uh, a, a related uh, holodeck uh, issue, uh, Lieutenant Stara Stefansis writes us, I, uh, I agree that it's silly that they wear real clothes in the holodeck. There are some occasions when it seems like it might add something to the experience, like dressing up to go out to dinner or a fancy restaurant. But for the most part, why not just allow the holodeck to project an image of suitable attire? Wouldn't it be energy efficient to not replicate costumes only to dispose of them afterwards? Or does it cost more energy to project the attire hmm. within the holodeck? Or do question. they only replicate separate costumes for programs they run all the time? Wouldn't it be more comfortable to wear the uniforms, their uniforms? And how many times have we seen an officer have to run into action while wearing something silly or have to go change first? I definitely, uh, it definitely seems uh, more time efficient to have a holodeck project the clothes these questions have always bothered me but then would you always look like um david byrne in 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 the burning down the house video i don't remember what he's dressed in the giant suit with the huge shoulders that's that's the giant and your your tiny head (laughs) 
Oh, you're saying because because it has to get projected over your costume clothes. Over. <laughs> so that in order to in order to hide all your clothes, it would have to be slightly bigger than yeah. you, than what your clothes should be. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna add like yeah. uh, it's gonna make you look like twelve pounds heavier. At least. I mean, I'll go further. If we have an episode where it's uh, Picard in a giant David Byrne suit talking to Sauron, I'm I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this is from uh, another funny changed name, the Bad Pizza, <laughs> which is a yes. reference to the bad pizza that I ordered. I assume that Matt then, even though I told him about it, ordered a week later to make sure that it was as bad as I said. Um, and I also, believe, that's that's you then need to order the good pizza to cover to, up to, right, to, to cover up the bad, bad pizza. pizza. Right, right, yeah. I truly believe they never told anyone about Moriarty the first time they encountered him and then effectively imprisoned him. I don't think it was malicious. I honestly think they just forgot about him. The next episode was the outrageous Okona, so it's plausible they got distracted from reporting the Moriarty incident by Okona's charm. Why was the program still in Enterprise after all this time and not in a... Here, this is, this is what it was. And not in a lab in Starfleet's holodeck division headquarters and if they did make a copy of the program and shipped it off to hq does that mean there is potentially multiple versions of the moriarty program out there waiting to be opened by some unsuspecting holodeck oh, technician whoa. that's also a good spin-off uh, episode i was bitterly disappointed that we didn't get a memory beta deep dive here it is shallow but here it is do you want this oh hang on well, let's take a trip down memory beta I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every every time. Oh, come on. Um, in 2393, the Sung Foundation learned of Moriarty's uh, existence. The Foundation sued to take custody of the holographic program, while Starfleet attorneys argued the security issues of doing so. Uh, Alyssa Cogley-Shaw uh, compared Starfleet to the Obsidian Order, as it was imprisonment without a trial. Um, SD website the past twenty four oh nine, but it's a I but, it, uh, but it's a great prison. <laughs> if you're throwing me in prison, but it's a holodeck where I can do anything, sure. Yeah, but it's a lie. He his main thing he wanted was to experience life as it was. Mm, but he did in a simulated world. So you would always choose Again, the matrix. I would be taking that blue pill every time. Yeah. What's the thing that you would miss the most in the real world in the matrix? Like if I went, if if I if we I discovered this wasn't real, yes. First of all, I'd be like mad about the program. I'd be like, the, why did not. why did I have to? <laughs> why did I project myself as a fat dummy <laughs> and not handsome Keanu Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> and then not to uh, mention, think of all the hours we would have wasted uh, a podcast. <laughs> oh my god! And then I'd be upset. To no that, one, uh, probably probably my. My wife and child, I'd be, I'd miss the most. <laughs> but other than Although, that, actually, yeah, now that good. I think about it, if we were podcasting in the Matrix, we probably would be podcasting to other sentient beings. So that's the only real thing is their experience. Well, I podcast. think the communication inside the Matrix between individuals is real. Otherwise, how would you get someone out of the Matrix? I think that's an interesting spinoff. <laughs> well, wait till I'm the Matrix. Pitch that movie. Wait till the Matrix Four. Yeah, is uh, is available to be seen, and then we'll and then we'll see where we can go from there. You think they're going to get back on track? What do you mean back on track? You're you're saying I the mean, Matrix were... Reloaded wasn't the greatest thing ever? 
correct. you're right. Uh, I don't know. I think the Wachowskis. I mean, there were fantastic action sequences. I think the Wachowski sisters uh, are fucking brilliantly talented, and because of the Matrix, I'm like. And by the way, Speed Racer, not bad. Oh, really? I'll see it. Yes, not bad at all. Uh, all right. Bum rap, I think, on Speed Racer. Uh, Matt. Nope, we're not doing it. Um, <laughs> I I am hopeful that, like, these years later, it's a nice revisit. I don't know. I think it was like a rush to make it a trilogy out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Rather than, like, and The Matrix ends so well. That's true. It's such a good ending for the movie. You don't. I, don't, I mean, you got to... You I mean, I hear you. You don't need, but you got to go back to it. You have to like. There's I, I, so much. But that's such a great story, and a I great mean, I hundred percent agree. I think it's just like it you've, you've plays built better in my mind. So many elements that you can have fun with, action wise, yeah. world building yeah. wise, and they do. There are moments yeah. in in both of them, and but I agree. Um, and lastly, Lieutenant Jess writes us in an alternate universe. You guys do podcasts on the Star Trek spinoffs. The Further Adventures of Kid Row and the Countess and the Criminal. It's two different shows. What? Oh, these are all the spinoff names. Yes. I gotcha. Yes. The Further Adventures of Kid Row and then the second one is the Countess and the Criminal, which I thought was very funny. Uh, That is it for the Priority One messages, and we can go into the hails proper. Uh, Okie dokie. Let's close. I actually don't close it. We just got to (laughs) exit. Incoming message. Incoming message. All right, what's first? It's the uh, voice hail that we received, which I think is very moving, this first one. Uh, I believe this is the one we're looking for. Andrew Secunda is a goddamn angel. <laughs> By the way, I haven't... I should really check the phone number. I think that is the same voice of the person who said I'm an asshole several years ago. <laughs> It could be wrong. <laughs> I uh, love it. I think it's a great email, a great voice hail, and uh, you're using you're using the phone for good. Um, Lieutenant Thomas Gill on holodecks and replicators. Uh, we got a lot of um, opinions and comments about the the matter and holodecks and so forth, um, and so I felt this one was uh, exemplary. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. I hope you take the time to read this on the next podcast. Uh, as every time you argue about holodecks and or replicators, my fiancé gets an earful. First, yes, holodecks create photonic matter out of photons and force fields, as described by Voyager's doctor. However, when you eat food, draw on paper, other interactions with matter is often replicated, so it will actually be useful and capable of leaving the holodeck. This is uh, the canon reason why Data is able to take Moriarty's drawing out of the holodeck in elementary Dear Data and why other things created in the holodeck can leave, like snowball, like the snowball or the dripping water from Encounter at Farpoint. The reason that the books uh, that Picard throws out of the holodeck uh, disappear is because he is not holding them. The computer has no reason to believe they are meant to leave, so they are removed when they leave the grid. I doubt that even if they were using the real transporter, they would have been able to beam the chair off the holodeck as the computer would have no reason to believe that they wanted a real chair in the real world. However, if they'd picked it up and carried it through the door, it likely would have been real matter by the time it left the grid. The real reason that the professor and the countess cannot leave the holodeck is that the computer cannot create living organic matter. The replicated spinal column and cord for wharf 
was not replicated. It was cloned. Came up in the conversation last night. I'm, I'm assuming he meets with his fiance against her will. Um, now, I can see there being an interesting story point for Picard uh, of John Luke seeking out the holographic storage module of Moriarty and the Countess and offering them access to the real world via mobile emitters. Uh, it has to have been reversed engineered by now. Or via golems like Picard was resurrected with. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a real spoiler. Um, that is provided. Andy. Sorry? Smooth, Andy. I mean, you have the power to cut it, my friend. <laughs> uh, that is provided that Mr. Davies and Miss Beecham are willing to reprise the roles. Uh, an additional point, uh, which I think I've sent in a hun- uh, number of times, uh, in many of the Star Trek, many series of Star Trek, aside from TOS, it is stated that matter and energy are interchangeable. There isn't a bucket of matter on board ship. They simply use energy to create matter in the replicators to make food and other replicated replicable objects, uh, parentheses, latinum and neutronium being the only two materials I can recall that are, cannot be replicated. The references to replicators being similar to transporters is that they both can convert energy to, uh, into matter. It is just that the transporter has specialized circuitry to properly convert living matter into energy and back again without destroying it in the process. How does that read you? How does that strike like, you? Like uh, his girlfriend's an angel. <laughs> it's his fiance. She's well, already committed. I mean, I'm glad. You still got time, lady. Glad that you're putting a ring on it. That's uh, smart because, I mean, God, if I even attempted a winner to there. have a third of that conversation with Dory, she would follow. Wait, do you? Does she have any of the conversations with you? No. Or is that why you're? That's why you're talking to me. It's the only reason to do this podcast. I need an outlet. Right. Yeah. To talk about well, Star Trek. It. It's now your gold, your gilded cage, my friend. Um, gilded with me. Um, <laughs> Boy, uh, this from. Hope this is a simulation on <laughs> Barclay's desk. Don't take the blue. Don't take the red pill yet. Uh, Andy is right about Moriarty, says John Price. Dear Andy and Matt, greetings from Vienna, Austria. Ooh. Uh, I am American. Oh, so please do not attempt to do an Austrian accent. <laughs> um, on the other hand, please try it so that everyone has a good laugh. Uh, Andy's <laughs> accent corner. It's going to be shit. Vienna's going to be a real tough one. It's not quite German. Just go to uh, just go to Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, okay. In reference to the episode Ship in a Bottle, I am on Andy's side. Moriarty is written as a diabolical genius and a criminal mastermind. In the episode Elementary Dear Data, Moriarty uncharacteristically releases Dr. Pulaski and reveals that he has evolved beyond his original programming. In Ship in a Bottle, he learns the nature of the real uh, real world, namely that mankind has progressed to the point to which it can travel through the galaxy and starships. How would the pursuit of criminal activities serve Moriarty in the real world? This is tiring. I'm stopping. All of his desires are met in this, uh, are met in, all of his desires are met, uh, save one, his desire to be with Countess Bartholomew. Even if he is programmed, even if he is programmed to be one way, he has become a sentient being and is choosing to reject his evil nature. This is ultimately a story of redemption. It is frustrating that Picard fails to see it. In Star Trek, no one is beyond redemption, even the Borg. In Star Trek Nemesis, for example, Picard tries to bring out the good in Shinzen, 
who is arguably much more diabolical than Moriarty. In this case, however, Picard fails to see that there is good in Moriarty and that the Countess is his redemption. Even Picard is human, I suppose. Thank you for your entertaining discussion of what is also one of my favorite episodes. Best wishes, John Price. Um, I think it's a really good point. And you can say the distinction between Shinzon and Moriarty is that Shinzon is Picard, so he's giving him the benefit of the doubt, even though he's clearly a maniac. I really shouted that one, so um, I blasted out your speakers. How is that? Look, I don't know where your brain is on spoilers, but you're yelling about Shinzon. Oh, does he come back? N- Shinzon? What are you talking about? Does he come back? He's only in the Star Trek Nemesis. I don't remember. But w- wait, Tom Hardy? No, I know, but is he there in the series? No. Wait, so uh, you're okay with spoiling things from the movies, but not... Well, I've seen Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, I see. So it's not a spoiler for you, therefore it's okay. Correct. Okay. Oh, oh, that's a really good point. Just I'm wanted being to make selfish. Sure. Just wanted to make no, sure. No, I'm being selfish. No. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. No, no. It's okay. I, I, I withdraw okay. what I was saying. Mm, uh, unwithdrawn. All right, whatever. There's a there's a Nemesis spoiler coming, so go ahead. Or you're not saying it. No, I'm not going to say it. I respect our audience. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> dear Andy and Matt. Oh, okay. This is going to be the, uh, the, the ship in a bottle thing. Uh, ship in a bottle uh, from Ann Chamberlain. Uh, dear Andy and Matt, I had this silliness come to me months ago while re-listening to your episode of Elementary Dear Data and was inspired as Matt played clips of Niles from The Nanny for Andy. As a refresher, that was also the infamous Brittany episode, you remember. So I thought I'd send this in for the next Sherlock Holmes episode. In addition to watching Trek going, growing up, at, arranged, at around age 10, I was religiously watching Frasier, The Nanny, Seinfeld News Radio, and The Simpsons, and recording them on VHS. What a golden age of comedy it was. So true, Dan. Needless to say, I love hearing about all the inside baseball of your work as writers, and I'm so grateful for both of you doing this podcast, even with your crazy schedules over the years. Anyway, I hope the small group of people who love The Nanny, TNG, and TNC will enjoy this. Look forward to the pod every week and hope you guys are staying sane and safe, especially as you head back to work. Stay sexy and watch Star Trek. Best and Chamberlain. P.S. Jellico sucks. <laughs> That's an aggressive P.S., but accepted. <laughs> Are you going to play the thing? Uh, This is Moriarty? Yes. Oh, wait. Yes. He was minding his own business down in Holodeck 2. When the computer changes program, now he's become something new. What had he become? He was self-aware. He was Data's adversary. (laughs) Then through the streets of London came Dr. Pulaski. She was there for an adventure. But then suddenly she was caught. She was nabbed. She was gone. She was taken by Moriarty. (laughs) Who would have guessed that what Jordy described? Would make a supervillain out of AI. Now he's just as smart as Data. Watch out, Jordy! And he's got control of the computer. Don't drink that tea! He's taken over the ship, but Picard says he'll have to wait to be free. The program that be Data, it's Moriarty. I watch that show, too. That was <laughs> quite, uh, I mean, that was... That High production value. Neil, that's the kind of effort I'm looking for. <laughs> all right. That's our that's our, our Pike Medal of Honor winner. 
Valor winner. And you would have won the, you would have hands down won the uh, Wait, Pike Medal so of Valor, except you're, sorry. you're not in the president's Andy, circle. Uh, let me jump back to, this is going to okay. be annoying to probably everyone listening. It's almost been a fucking hour of the hails. I know. Uh, but the Moriarty memory beta entry. Correct. All right. Tell me again okay. what it was. Like, give me the. Let's see. Give me the, uh, the, the, the. Bullet points. Yeah. Uh, the it's about the uh, Sung Federation Foundation and uh, suing for Moriarty for for Moriarty because okay well here's this here's, here's the other one the other book okay. ready all right uh, this is uh, after data was destroyed okay. Four years later, Data's creator, Dr. Noonien Sung, sacrificed his life, resurrected his android son, who in turn revived the positronic brain of his own artificial daughter, Lal, having reassigned, having resigned his commission. The former Starfleet officer now works to make his way on an alien world while also coming to grips with the very human notion of wanting versus having a child. But complicating Data's new life is the unexpected return of uh, a nemesis from years ago in the Enterprise, the holographic master criminal James Moriarty. Long believed to be imprisoned in a memory uh, solid, Moriarty has created a siphon into the real world uh, as being of light and thought. Moriarty wants the solid form that that he was once told he could never have and seeks to manipulate Data into finding another android body for him to permanently inhabit, even if that means Data himself. Now, in this book, apparently, which came out in 2014, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Moriarty returns, kidnaps the revived Lal, forces sure. Data to provide mm. him with, and the Countess with physical bodies, it is revealed that Moriarty and the Countess learned that they had never escaped from the holodeck when the Enterprise crashed on Viridian 3. The crash yeah. caused a data loss, which erased Moriarty's holographic daughters, Sophia and Gladys, from existence. <laughs> oh my god, so great! <laughs> By the end of the novel, Moriarty and the Countess had received their physical bodies and their daughters had been restored. I might have to read that one. That is fantastic. That is wild. That was, uh, that was a little trip down uh, memory beta. Well, let's take a trip down memory beta. What's the other one? We I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every every time. Oh, come on. Memory beta. This? <laughs> ah, there we go. Uh, that's it for the hails. If you'd like to send a hail in, uh, you know, we got plenty of room. We're only at an hour. Uh... You can send it to sttncpod at gmail.com if you want access to our Priority One messages. Join the uh, Patreon. Um, and uh, if you want to tweet at us, uh, he's at Matt Myra on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Andrew Secunda on Instagram and at, at Secunda on Twitter. And you can you want to send us a voicemail, it's at 816-TREK-TNC. Try and keep it under a minute and a half if you can. Frequencies closed, sir. I will take responsibility for 
having no capacity to winnow down the amount of hail. This was I really was conscious of it this time, and I still completely failed because there were so many things I wanted to put in there. But also, you were very rowdy and rambunctious today. Uh, me? Yeah. Oh, guys, let's uh, be real about it. It's mostly your fault that it's long. <laughs> uh, time to talk about the next episode. I'd love to put you in a fake, you know, fake world. I hope. I hope. I hope over there, I can do ninety-minute podcasts. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. It's Aquiel. It aired the week of February 1st, 1993. Andy, what was happening? Still at the top of the charts, Whitney Houston with I Will Always Love You. We'll always love so you. So beautiful. Uh, also the top song in the UK, the number one movie, Aladdin. Number one book, The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. The number one TV show that week, 60 Minutes. Births that week, uh, no births. <laughs> There's not a single birth. <laughs> so just saying, left the slot there. Uh, deaths that week, tennis, tennis's Arthur Ashe, uh, and events, the Maastricht Treaty formalized the European Union. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. That is all. That's the news. That seems like a short news week. Apparently. Hmm. Well, let's see if uh, it's a European some, Union. Let's see if someone else was picking up the slack. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Frank Sinatra, oh. come on! Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on! I don't Andy, think you're going to be any more. What was the chamber of the board up to? Let I don't me think you're going to be any more content with this, Matt. Uh, this is the first of four TNG Let episodes aired in February of 1993, like a rare period when Frank was completely out of the public eye, and there's no news available words, on what the heck he was doing. I guess everyone is entitled to a bit of privacy. But Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> we had a very special Frank Sinatra come on on Voyager. Baby the episode that aired was the week of his last public performance. Isn't that exciting? All right. Thanks, Frank. We'll see you next week. I hope you're up to more stuff. All right. This is Aquiel, an odd mystery. Oh, sorry. This is directed by Cliff Bowl, teleplayed by Brennan Braga and Ron Moore. Uh, this is a story by Jerry Taylor. An odd mystery unfolds on the forge while replaying the personal logs of mis- missing Lieutenant Aquiel Lunari and befriending her dog, finds himself... Let me read this as written. Finds himself fall in love with her. <laughs> as he probes, Track, get it together. As he probes into the mysterious look, I wouldn't have spent much time on the Aquiel description either. Uh, her two main relay station, her two man relay station, that was me, uh, in the, on the Klingon Federation border. With the DNA residue found at the station, suspects yielded by her logs range from the Klingon Morag. Keith Rocha. I'm sorry, everybody. I've been up since five. Uh, What time did you get up, Andy? Until unexpectedly, Klingon's uh, superior (laughs) delivery. Son of a bitch. Both Morag and Aquiel to the Enterprise, uh, where she returns LaForge's affection. Morag and Aquiel then become suspects in Rocha's disappearance. Eventually, the station's crew... When the station's... When the station crew's ongoing fights, Aquiel's quick temper and her tampering log are revealed... Despite, that was a sentence, I swear to God. Despite LaForge's support, 
Clues are pointing to Inari's guilt. When the DNA residue shocks Crusher by suddenly assuming the shape of her hand, Picard's staff realizes that the coalescent creature is at work and had taken the form of Rocha, then Aquiel's dog, and LaForge barely escapes the creature when it wants to kill him and take his form. Her name cleared, but her career tainted. Unari can only bid LaForge a fond farewell with the hope that the two will meet again. There you go. Aquiel. And, uh, oh boy, it's been so long that I have yet to Me even time. share this link. I'm getting the link. Uh, Matt is, uh, it's true, Matt is waking up at the crack of dawn. That's, that's, that's the last thing I copied and pasted. It's about free sync. Oh, yeah, yeah. Questions about a monitor. If anybody has an opinion about which monitor don't works send best them with to, a don't send them MacBook 2020, uh, please let me know. <laughs> please don't. Um, please don't let them know. <laughs> uh, all right, so you get the link. Oh, Captain's log. I'll wait for you. I'm and in. let's jump in. Stardate 46461.3. We have arrived at a communication relay station near the Klingon border where we are scheduled to deliver supplies. However, the station has not responded to repeated hails. <laughs> so we showed up. It's just uh, unannounced visiting by four members of the senior staff. They're not allowed? <laughs> no. I mean, it just seems like, I don't know. I guess if you don't raise them on the hails. It's rude. It, lo- it looks like you left the Netflix party. Uh, it wasn't working. It wasn't in sync. And I still don't know if it's well, You're in back. Sync. Here we go. What's that noise? Must have left their audio monitoring system on. We're hearing a few thousand subspace messages. I'm trying to shut it off. I will say I did like seeing the subspace relay station. <laughs> like for some reason, I, I, was I like, love that set. It uh, is a great set. Yeah, it's 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 really good. And I also like, yeah, I mean that's sort of what would happen. There'd be so much comms traffic that you'd need a giant thing to relay everything. I like. And it's only two people on there. I like I the idea of it, uh, and uh, I accept its its wonderfulness. I don't know. It sounds like a loose panel or something. I think it's coming from this service duct over here. Huh? Here's your loose panel. Here's your loose panel. Hey, Pooch. He says Pooch too many times. Hey, Pooch. Come he on out of there. Come on. I wonder if they cut Come together two takes where he didn't say Hey, Pooch. What are you doing in there? It also sounds like, like that's the exact Hey, Pooch. I feel like what happened was they didn't have anything for him to say when they looked down the uh, the into, into the little vent. And so he said his line there. They pulled then, it. I think they pulled the audio from that line. Yeah. Here's your loose panel. Is a loose panel, she. Hey, Pooch. And then listen again. Hey, Pooch, come on out of there. Not this one. Come on. This next one. Hey, Pooch. It's exactly the same inflection. <laughs> it is exactly the That's same. That's the line. We solved the mystery, Aquiel. What are you doing in there? I'm Devanani Rao. Uh, oh, you paused it. You're in, you must be in sync then. I think now I'm in sync. All right. 
Great. Andy, what were your thoughts when you started watching this episode here? Murder mystery type thing. I was into it. I like that it was a mystery. I like that the team goes down. I like the set. Uh, I really I really enjoyed that it's just like, ooh, what's going on? What happened there? Did you uh, like I that Aquiel was kind of your kind of Starfleet officer, you know? <laughs> She's just, just starting arguments with all her superior officers. Yeah. See, I, I, I got to say, I've taken a lot of heat about being anti-authoritarian with no reason. Aquiel, I'm not on board with because she seems like she fights with people for no reason. Mm-hmm. The other people that I admire, like Shelby, fight with her superior officers because that she sees that they're going in the wrong direction. You think Riker of was course. going in the wrong direction? In, in, in best of both worlds? Yeah, he wasn't listening to her advice, even though she's the expert on... Uh, no, he wasn't listening to her advice. He just wanted to do it at like 800 hours, not 640 in the morning when he, she just grabbed data and went down. Anyway. Commander, the shuttlecraft is gone. There is no one on board. With arguments. Commander. Hey, Pooch. Hey, Pooch. <laughs> Commander, this looks gross. What do you think it is? What is it? Cellular residue. I believe these are the remains of one of our lieutenants. Or the dog recently uh, went to the bathroom right here. And that's what they brought. That panel was brought up just because Beverly couldn't tell the difference. I'm going to go to sleep. Good night, everybody. Um, She calls him, Beverly calls him Will. In the, uh, I notice whenever they're on an away team, even if it's the four poker buddies, it's interesting. She just called him commander. Sorry, I apologize. My, my brain also wasn't functioning. Oh no! She, she calls him. She calls him commander as soon as they're on an away team, even though they're all friends. Well, it's that's because she doesn't want. She just, she just wants to make sure that everybody knows who she's calling. She doesn't want accidentally Jordy answering, even though he's also a commander. <laughs> it seems like it would make more sense to call him Will. Yeah, sure. I think it's just like I think it's more like they're in a you know a possibly dangerous situation. She's just being more professional. Hmm. Many sides, Beverly Crusher, the dancing doctor. Chow, take a look at this signal notation. It's out of sequence. Looks like somebody trying to bypass the access protocols and break into the coded messages, cause the security lockouts to freeze right up. Are there any messages missing? Well, I won't know until I get into the files. Looks like you made a friend. Yep. I'm going to go back to the ship. You let me know as soon as you have something. I'm going to try accessing the logs from another console. I'm going to call him Pooch. Hey, Pooch. <laughs> Never going to get that out of my head now. Uh, I thought for sure the dog was going to turn out to be like an alien or, or, or the creature. You know, what's funny is I've everybody. seen this episode once before and then I watched it again here and I still forgot the dog did it. <laughs> The dog. I still forgot. Wait, did the dog do it? Yes. Oh, that was it. Oh, then I was right. I forgot myself. <laughs> what did you? What did I you, thought. Didn't you? I not it, only. Didn't you remember and mem- like in mem- remembering the episode? I thought it was Aquiel. Right. I didn't think it was Aquiel, but I forgot that it was the dog. Uh, I did I, the whole time. I'm going to vote for us getting this out, but <laughs> I know it won't happen. End up drifting through space. Computer, open Inari correspondence file. Computer, access correspondence files, Lieutenant Aquiel Unari. 
Hello, Shiana. Sorry I haven't talked to you in a while, but I've been dealing with the new Lieutenant Rocha. So far, he's been rude, arrogant, and condescending. And he's only been here two days. This might be a long year. Come on, Lieutenant. Stick with me. I had the dream again. Mother's calling out my name. She's somewhere in the house. I get to the top of the hill, all right, but then the house is slanted. I wish that uh, we got to see Rocha's logs. Yeah. Also. But I guess if we did, I don't know. That probably would spoil the... the... We hear a little bit. We hear an audio clip. We do. We're trying to micro-vaporize the metal in order to get a clear DNA sample. Do you have any idea what killed him? Well, this is just a guess. But from the molecular deposition of the plating, I'd say it was caused by a high-level phaser blast. Could it have been a Klingon disruptor? Possibly. Jordy has found evidence that the encrypted messages have been tampered with, and we are close to Klingon space. There hasn't been a Klingon raid against the Federation for more than seven years. I don't want to risk a diplomatic incident until I have more evidence. And there's still the question of what happened to Lieutenant Rocha. Get Rocha's personnel file from Starfleet Command. And ask Starbase 212 if they will help us to find the shuttle. I say. Keep me apprised, Doctor. I don't know what to say about the episode, really, other than... What is that? Where is that coming from? Okay. It's coming from Andy's channel. You guys won't hear that interference. It's fine. Uh, um, I was surprised at the last Klingon... Are we at the last Klingon raid? Seven years ago? Yeah, I was surprised that that was that recent. I somehow figured that... Well, you think there. about it, it's like a year before... A year before um, TNG starts... And also, uh-huh. like, if you think about the Enterprise C uh, mm-hmm. and it getting involved in the Klingon-Romulan shenanigans and saving the Romulan, the uh, Klingons from the Romulans, uh, it seems like the the Alpha and Beta Quadrants were a little more uh, tumultuous pre-TNG, which is why the TNG era is usually thought of as, like, the golden era of Starfleet, the peaceful... Right. The longest period of peace in Starfleet's time. Granted, there's a Borg incursion, and then the Dominion War starts. Whatever. Frequency range of 10 <laughs> to 100 megahertz. Diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds. Ice coffee? I noted that, and I was like, huh. Never seen anyone order iced coffee. <laughs> it's true. On Star Trek. Follow up to that. For that some reason, like ro- I thought iced coffee was like, in my brain... Ice coffee was invented in 1998. Just for some it, for some reason in my head, ice Did coffee you know didn't the, exist before 1998. Did you look it up or you don't no, know? No, I didn't. Of course not. This episode's from 91 or 93. But what I'm saying oh. is, obviously, ice coffee's been a thing for a very long time. I'm just an idiot. Granita certainly would have existed before. Although, here Andy is, like, asking if I looked it up. So maybe iced coffee wasn't on your radar until the nineties either. I'm not a I'm not that much of a coffee drinker, so I wouldn't have known. Why do I? It is interesting. Oh, you always have tea when you come over in the old. I mean, I'll drink a coffee now and then when I'm at when I'm at a writing job. I'll drink it. But my real thought was that that the iced coffee was a that's a that's a TV writer's order that Jordy throws in there. But yeah, I will say it's like the first and I don't know maybe the only time I've ever seen iced coffee ordered on Star Trek. Be funny for Frappuccino. 
What is it, girl? Uh, or a Dunka Dunky a Dunkachino coffee colada, Dunkin' coffee colada. I miss Dunkin' Donuts. You miss it? Is it gone? Well, it was so much more prevalent on the East Coast. I mean, I, there's two yeah. around here. I, I'm never going to drive to them. This is the first time I haven't been there. I've been wondering, who's singing the Harath in my place? Although she's never fully cleared of the crime. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> You're saying they they find the dog, but they don't know for sure that right. she didn't kill. Because like that's like so <laughs> suspicious when she's like talking about I and I went for the uh, weapons cabinet. And I don't. Do they, do they ever explain her? So her well, memory loss? I guess what I'm saying is like, did she kill what she thought was Lieutenant Rocha, but she actually she actually killed the creature, but there was enough of the creature left over to take over the dog. Maybe. So she, you're saying she tried to kill Rocha and then just luckily. Yes. The, fortunately, only happened to kill the microorganism. <laughs> the micro mimicker or whatever the hell it's called. I mean, I, I can I can see it. She definitely is acting suspiciously the whole She's time. She's acting and then, so suspiciously, it's ridiculous. Like, it's a little too ham-fisted. I mean, Jordy really is. Feelings of of wanting to run, wanting to get away from danger. Shiana, I couldn't say this to anyone but you, but the panic is the same thing I used to feel whenever father got angry, when I knew he was going to punish me. Only now, I'm out here in space, and there's nowhere to run. There are three references to a Commander Morag, a Klingon officer who patrols this section of the border. Apparently, he would pass by the station every few days and harass them. Perhaps this Morag was the one who was interested in obtaining the encrypted messages. Could be. She didn't say, but I do have several more days of logs to watch. I'm hoping to learn more. Very well. In the meantime, I'll speak with the Klingon governor about Commander Morag. What'd you say, Andy? I didn't say much. <laughs> I know. What is happening? Oh, we've burned ourselves on these fucking hails. <laughs> <laughs> they were entertaining hails. Oh, sure. Everyone's very happy with this episode. You were very entertaining during the hails, man. I, I missed the hails. It was a good time. I was very aware. Here's my overall thing. I love overall what? things. It's a summation. Here's my summation, <laughs> and then I'll give it the Andes, and then we'll just call it a day. Um... <laughs> There's a world where we could absolutely do that, by the way. Look, I have my, obviously, my my personal theories about Geordi, which we all know, but why did the writers approach this character this way in terms of romantic, like every romantic plot for him, they have some element of oddness to it. Like they make it his duty that he has to be in this woman's room watching her personal files. Uh, By the way, it's not his duty. It's not his duty. He's not in charge of that. He just does it. Doesn't he have to kind of no. investigate what happened? He's lo- I feel like that goes to a security department, not the fucking chief engineer. Uh-huh. 
Why is he digging through this? Oh, that's opening that's up this really fucking cold you, case. You think there's, there's maybe a security team that's taking care of it? And he's like, I better get my hands dirty on this. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Like, I almost wish that he just wanted to keep the dog, and like that was the whole, whole motivating feature. Or, it's or definitely it's so s- strange with him like chilling and drinking her drinks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> relaxing and watching her and. It's just why? Why did just make him normal? What? What's the? What is? What are they? <laughs> what are they getting at with Jordy? Is that he's a he's like a tech nerd, and so he's kind of removed from being from social. I don't know niceties or normalness adjustment. I you know I they just make him socially awkward, except around data. Although yeah. even I don't know, he's good in the poker game. Just terrible with women, I guess, because he just falls in love with holodeck characters. And even on this, he's falling in love with not a real person, just their logs. Yeah, I think guess that's the consistent aspect of it is that he's like he he's like uh someone who who works in an environment where his focus and absorption would be with non-human components and electronics and engineering um, that he's sort of he's sort of not comfortable as much with face-to-face human interactions or at least romantic ones yeah yeah evidence so you are making an accusation the Klingon Empire will not stand for these kinds of lies Governor Torak I apologize. I can see that you honestly didn't know what happened aboard the station. I will just have to take this matter up with Gowron. I'm really sorry that we bothered you. Gowron won't bother with such a minor incident. Well, ordinarily he wouldn't, but of course I was his arbiter of succession. I'm sure that he will be happy to come here and investigate this matter. You needn't worry about it any longer. I agree. Gowron will come here? Oh, yes. So, once again, thank you for your help. Oh, I will be sure to mention your name to Gowron when I speak to him. I will investigate this further, Picard. You need not bother Gowron with this matter. That's very kind. (laughs) Kapla! Kapla! (laughs) Very tricksy. Very Jellico-like. What? That's what Jellico would do. No, he wouldn't. Jellico... No, because you know what Picard did was Picard had a had a nuanced light touch with it, so as not to provoke. There was no the guy. nuance there. He I'll was, just he contact a, uh, Gowron then. <laughs> he was not. He was not aggressively coming at him. No, Jellico. Jellico would have done that and put a fucking mine on his hull. <laughs> Here it is. What do you think? Definitely not you. Jordy. <laughs> Jordy. Okay. Maybe cool. I'm getting a little crazy. You would too if you were stuck on a relay station in the middle of nowhere with no one for company except an egomaniac like Keith Rocha. Really? I took a big risk Keith today. Really does. I countermanded an order he gave. I agreed to handle the comm traffic for relay station 194 while they shut down for maintenance. Rocha said we couldn't handle the additional signal load, but I think he's wrong. 
When he finds out, he'll be furious. Days like this, I wish I was home. Jordy, you know what I miss back, most? Drinking a drink. Muskin seed punch. Read I wonder the why the dog waited punch. so long you to make it its move. I think the guy. I feel like those creatures, the fake creatures, are not uh, in any rush to change. Uh-huh. It's just like a survival thing, like why it changed into Beverly's hand. I see. Not the same. That was creepy. I'd give anything for some of the punch Mother used to make with chunks of the seed still in it. <laughs> it's a very cute dog. It's a very cute, evil Keith, dog. Keith, is that you? Is that Keith? We'll never know. But shortly after that, she murders him. <laughs> <laughs> Can I may I ask why does Picard even want the Klingon there? What do you mean? It seems like he goes out of his way to get the Klingons involved, and I'm not sure why. Shouldn't they have just continued their investigations? Well, they, they, the they want answers, and, and they're hoping that there will be some provided. And he also doesn't want to provoke anything because of the diplomatic problem that would arise as both the governor and Picard are trying to avoid desperately. Uh-huh. It feels like they... I don't know. It feels like he... he he brings the Klingons in very quickly. Well, and, it's, uh, it's on the edge of Klingon space. Yeah, but they're not in Klingon space. Yeah, but Jordy already found Morag. Uh-huh. Like, found that detail, and they're looking for a shuttle and a murdered person. There. What else are they going to do? Wait until they have more information? But they only get more information by contacting the Klingons. They, the Klingons bring him Aquiel. <laughs> Look, Jordy hasn't even gone through all of her her private diaries yet. Yeah, but I feel like Jordy would not get any information out of the private diaries. I will continue to scan. How's it going? I've managed to access all of Lieutenant Unari's logs. I'm still looking for Lieutenant Roaches. Whatever happened to the encrypted messages had a cascade effect on the whole storage system. I can't find his files anywhere. But I'm running I also a level dressed three up like her a little now. while ago. Well, I put on this wig. It looked good on me, door. but not her. <laughs> maybe Rocha didn't make the official logs. Unari could have been responsible for them. I don't think so. Aquiel was the junior officer here. Aquiel? Lieutenant Unari. I've been up all night watching her personal logs. I guess I'm starting to... Uh, Jordy, what, what are you doing? <laughs> no one asked you to do that. We just asked you to fix did you the relay go station. Back, <laughs> did you go back to the ship to sleep, or did you sleep in her bed? Jordy, why are there 14 <laughs> empty cups of punch? Like, why are all her clothes strewn about the room? <laughs> what was she like? Well, she was Helene. She had... One sister named Shiana. She drank musk and seed punch. She had a quirky sense of humor. And she was a murderer. Because she put on a wig and it was funny. So I know <laughs> that about there. her sense of humor. She <laughs> liked to sing. She liked to sing that one holiday song. Because she the missed song the actually sounded very Jewish holidays. That's she FYI, I wonder if it's a dry had questionable that. taste in literature. Enterprise to Commander Riker. Uh, Riker here. More in Braga. Two Gentiles. I don't know. 
Oh, yeah, it could the be wrong. Well, to them, maybe, arrived. you know, Judaism is like an alien culture. It is to me. Is it at this point, Matt? Shana Tova, everybody. Happy New Year. Shana Tova. Please report to the observation lounge. We're on our way. It's going to be very cool. I, no, I only asked for you, number one. Klingon ship looks awesome. Klingon attack? Governor, welcome aboard. By the way, this episode, I was so annoyed that they yet again didn't put Troy in the episode for the vast majority where she could be very helpful. It was shocking to see her. I was just like, oh, yeah, Troy. Where's Troy? Why has Troy not been in up till now? Do not bore me with your human pleasantries. I told you we did not kill the woman. Now I will prove it to you. Gosh! This is Lieutenant Aquiel Unari. That information before that. Well, I don't think he knew what to do with her, or that she was even around, right? Maybe. No, maybe. Aquiel looks around suspiciously, and then starts going in like this. Rocha had been on edge all morning, but he'd been irritable ever since he got there, so I didn't think anything of it. We were halfway through the procedure when suddenly he attacked me. He grabbed me, threw me against a bulkhead. I yelled at him to stop, but he wouldn't listen. He took me by the throat. I broke free and tried to get to the weapons locker. I'm not sure what happened next, but some. That's where she loses us all. Somehow, I got aboard the shuttle and left. Yeah, that's a bad story. We found her on our side of the border, heading towards Sector 2520. She's lucky my patrol ship did not destroy her vessel on sight. It could have, you know. Lieutenant? Very powerful. Do Why didn't you contact As soon as we it? see something, we just fire at it. Let them know what had happened on board the station. I don't know, sir. Maybe I passed out. I'm not even sure how long I was on the shuttle before the Klingons picked me up. 46 hours. You've been gone 46 hours. We presumed you were dead. Four to six? No, no. 46. Oh, <laughs> um, it could have been four or six. My story's terrible. Uh, I definitely murdered him. I think she did. She murdered him. You think she tried to murder no, him? No, I think she killed, she killed the alien creature. Uh, they, out of self-defense because the creature was attacking her. But so. she, she definitely killed the creature. Well, the, was what happened? Oh, she... she Oh, yeah. She she vaporized she it. definitely vaporized Before it, it left, it, it went to the dog. Yes. Before, before yeah. it completely, uh, you know, kaputskied. It was like, uh, uh, this dog's tiny. I'll go to the Ed, dog. Yeah. Your bloodstains were found at the murder scene. I must have cut my head when he pushed me against a bulkhead. Then the remains we found must be those of Lieutenant Rocha. I can't confirm that. Until we're able to separate the cellular residue from the deck plate, I won't be able to do a clear DNA scan. Well, just you said out. you were trying to get to the weapons locker. Is there a possibility that you did? No, I didn't. You're sure? I don't remember exactly what happened to me after I was attacked. I'm sorry. It's as if all my memories were drained out of me. Now that part, right? Isn't that accurate? 
if I remember correctly, from watching this episode a day ago. <laughs> it's because of the it's the creature. When the creature brain. makes contact with you, it like right. steals memory engrams or something like that. Uh, that's implied, yes. And then and then it that. makes Lieutenant Tom Paris relive this episode every fourteen hours. That's right. That's <laughs> that's sort of established later. That's definitely what happens. And so later we're going to see from Rocha's perspective her shooting him. Yes, of course. All right. Uh, I'm not much for gothic fiction. Oh, well, not many people are nowadays. Oh, oh I do want to do this quick uh, little. Sure, how long I was on the shuttle before the Klingons picked me up? Oh, God, this is this little, this little exit here. Lieutenant Anari's logs reported that Commander Morag had been harassing the station. He was doing his job. If he was only doing his job, then I'm sure you would not mind if we spoke with him. Very well. In the interests of diplomacy, I will allow you to speak to Morag. But my patience has limits. I know a friend of yours who's very eager to see you. Who? Cool. Me. We're friends oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I know Mora. everything about you. Come here, girl. Come on, Mora. Mora? That's the name, huh? <laughs> yes. It's from Cold Moon Over Black Water. Have you read it? I've been calling her Jordy Jr. Jordy <laughs> <laughs> <Geordie> LaDog. Jordy <laughs> LaDog. Uh, somebody, somebody, some dog out there. It's got to be called Jordy LaDog. That's the name of my horse in Red Dead, Jordy LaHorse. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's a Mexican, uh, sorry, Mexican, Missouri Foxtrotter uh, named Jordy mm. LaHorse. Uh, my original Foxtrotter, my first playthrough, was Michael J. Horse because he was a Foxtrotter. That's also good. You know, I love horse names, guys. Pepper was my original horse. I bought a Morgan. You know, the cheapest uh, horse in the game because I didn't really understand how the economy of the game worked. And I rode that Morgan through the entire first playthrough. You're welcome, everyone. You just had an Arabian the whole time. It's very nutritious. Taste grows on. Linda McCartney my, was my Arabian horse. <laughs> Why Linda McCartney? Uh, I think I was just listening to a lot of uh, Paul McCartney solo stuff. And he wrote somebody's talks about Linda. It just popped into my head. <laughs> Batar al Nalia. You speak Halian. We traveled around quite a bit while I was growing up. I picked up a couple of languages along the way. And no friends. We never traveled. <laughs> I talked to no one the with them. House for five generations. Mm. One on the hill. How do you know about that? <sighs> well, to be honest. I'm best friends with Shayna. When we thought you were dead, I <laughs> he, like he runs you out of there and like contacts and starts his third. <laughs> like, Listen, you got to go along with the you story. You don't know me, but look, please just tell your sister that I know you and we're good friends. Okay, bye. And personal correspondence for any possible clues about what happened. I feel so bad for the Jordy character that they keep setting him up this way. It's weird, but I don't feel bad for Jordy. Like Jordy, I don't have any problems with Jordy in this episode because uh, at the time he's doing all this, she is dead. Well, that's what he keeps arguing. Yeah, I, I think it's a decent argument. Even if she's dead, isn't it still sort of an intrusion? 
Now, if you're investigating a murder, yeah. uh, you know, because you felt like you feel like investigating it. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying is like the they keep putting him in a position where in his head it's like, I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then suddenly he's facing an actual person as opposed to an image or a hologram of a person. It's always mm. the same thing. It's very interesting. Moore said the problem was that no one ever satis- was satisfied with the person who'd done it. Aquiel was initially to have been the killer, but when the plot seemed to be veering toward a basic instinct clone, both the Klingons and the dead Keech... Uh, hang on. Both the Klingons and the dead Keith Rocha, named by Moore for another one of his high school friends, uh, were in turn considered for the murder and was dropped as seeming too obvious. At one point, he recalled, we finally said, why not the dog? He had always been in the script. We had meant to leave him with Jordy from that time on. So from that point on, Andy, Jordy, yeah. Jordy was going to have that dog. Uh, I wouldn't have minded that. Well, I wouldn't have minded that either because that would have given us the scene that they had originally closed the episode with, which was Data reacting to the dog and deciding that he was a cat person, not a dog person. (laughs) But he already has a cat. Yeah, he said, until the plot change made it, a planned closing scene had Data in Geordi's quarters commenting with a matter of fact, Spot doesn't do that, and his friend uh, ticked off various newly discovered problems like chewed boots, soiled carpet. Finally, after Mora trots over to drool on his own boots, the android gets to deliver the punchline, Jordy, I think I am a cat person. <laughs> well, you know, I would have loved that scene. <laughs> it would have been a weird way to end it. But I loved Mora, it. played by Friday, a terrier mix, was also Commissioner Robert Scorpio's dog for four years on General Hospital. Mm. So a that dog worked with uh, Frakes' wife, Jeannie Francis. I knew I knew, that, I knew I knew that dog from something big. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that would have that's Secundas claim to fame. I know him from something big. Do they have dogs? On? Lot- they must have dogs on IMDb. Uh, do they have dogs on IMDb? That's a good question. I feel like uh, Moose is listed. Eddie on Frasier. Hmm. Uh, oh, hang on. There was something else interesting. Okay. Aquiel also marked the beginning of an in-house joke in the manner of original Star Trek Jeffrey's tubes and Mies' panel. A script note referring to set decorator Jim Mies' ongoing complaints about the cost about a thousand dollars of detailing the interior of an open wall console <laughs> ron moore and i had a long-standing running joke he explained every show he ever wrote they always ended up going into a panel and fixing something and i said to him ron do you know we're not on a real ship do you know that <laughs> if they pull the metal thing off there isn't anything there it costs money to do it <laughs> it takes time to design these things so now they call them Mies panels because I've bitched and moaned so much. <laughs> so in the scripts, they're referred to as Mies panel. That's funny. I ain't doing things that you knew would upset him. 
Why take on extra com traffic when you knew it was going to make him angry? Is this a personal question or part of a murder investigation? I don't know. Maybe both. <laughs> Weird. Keith Rocha was obnoxious from the minute he reported to duty. Well, he treated me as though I was beneath contempt. What are you saying? We don't know, though, if that's accurate. I mean, that's how she felt, certainly. Sure. But this next scene here with Riker, who's like, I mean, I've never seen Riker fall in love with a personnel file faster. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's file is spotless. Two decorations for valor, three outstanding evaluations from his previous commanders. Doesn't sound like the same man that Lieutenant Inari described. What did you find out about Inari? I checked into her record, too. Her last posting was on Darabin 5. I spoke to her commanding officer. He said she was argumentative, quick to take offense. He also told me he transferred her to that relay station because Sounds she was like hampering she was a their real efforts. Shelby. To be honest, I'm having trouble believing her story, sir. Why? I sent Worf to check the weapons locker on the relay station. The phaser missing. <gasps> you think that she lied? Lied? Conveniently forgot? I'm not sure. I think it's something we have to consider. As of now, we don't have sufficient evidence one way or the other. I want you to examine her shuttle. We might find something there that will shed some light on her story. Aye, sir. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. For some reason, we've not checked her shuttle. Um, before we uh, go too far past it, I love uh, the the interplay between Worf and the uh, and the governor. I think it's the governor. Uh, says, have the have the courage to admit your mistakes. We aren't past it, I don't think. Oh no. Okay. I think that's when what's his face comes aboard. You know, Frank. Morag. The weapons locker. It was set to level ten. Standard procedure requires that all phasers are set in level one when they're put in storage. That means that somebody deliberately changed the setting. And then there's the matter of your conflict with Lieutenant Rocha. Rocha and I had our disagreements, but that does not mean I would kill him. Have you been able to remember anything that happened after he attacked you? No. Nothing. I suppose maybe in self-defense, I... Dr. Crusher tells me that in order to inflict the type of molecular damage found in Roche's remains, it would take a sustained phaser discharge of at least 30 to 40 seconds. That doesn't sound like self-defense to me. Now, wait a minute. We haven't even established this phaser as the murder weapon yet. And even at level 10, I don't see how it could have done the damage medical evidence says it did. A phase disruptor like a Klingon weapon, maybe. Look, we're not here to make accusations. We're trying to find out what happened. Commander Morag is due here in two hours. Let's see what he has to say. Fine. And in the meantime, I'd like to go back down to the station and see if I can access Roach's personal logs again. I love personal logs, Commander. They're my favorite. <laughs> uh, I like see, this little hallway Cut scene. to him, like, drinking and relaxing in Roach's cabin. And <laughs> <laughs> we reset the whole story from there. Oh, it's perfect. And then he meets Roach. Roach is drinking, like, uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the all-American boy. Apple pie, mom. You shouldn't have. <laughs> Roach is also putting on a wig, a crazy wig. <laughs> this isn't me, right? This Abraham Lincoln costume. <laughs> oh, Rocha. Uh, uh, all right. I like this little Jordy Riker conversation. Sir, 
This is off the record. Just saying this to you as a right friend, place. not your superior officer. I think it would be best if you weren't so personally involved with Aquiel right now. There's a lot about her we don't know. And there's a lot about her that I do know. And if she's innocent, I want to help her prove it. I think you've let your personal feelings cloud your judgment. I'm not the one making judgments. Oh! Oh, snap. If I had an air horn, I'd play it. But I stopped playing that sound because I've lost it. Well, it drives people crazy anyway. Who deleted them? Unknown. Like, Aquiel, like, knows the heat is on. The H is O, my friend. <laughs> and she still leaves the Enterprise somehow. Like, first of all, you're the suspect in a murder. How are you getting off the Enterprise? <laughs> Well, whether she's a murderer or not, one thing we know about her, she's a terrible criminal. She's a suspect, though, right? I mean, clearly. Yeah. But I, why is the Enterprise, why is Worf just letting her go down to the station? Lieutenant Rocha. Well, this is the classic or thing she of, like, she's in. not on the ship. What? The, there's no automatic right. thing that says, hey, this person right. left it's the ship. It's also like, you know, uh, transport privileges of junior, Lieutenant Junior Grade Aquiel Rocha. Anyway, back to Klingon Town. You know what? We found your DNA on the bulkheads and the console. Troy shows up for some reason now. <laughs> we know you were there. Answer their questions. Yes. Yes, I was there. My patrol route takes me near the station every six days. Three days ago, I hailed them. There was no response. I was concerned. Concerned. Yes. Troy's back in a uniform. Thanks, Jellico. I went aboard to see what had happened. There was no one there, so I left. Is that all? That's all. Commander Morag, we have discovered that the encrypted message bank on the station has been tampered with. Our analysis indicates that 27 priority Starfleet messages are missing. What of it? Your DNA was also found on the message control module. This is outrageous! We will not tolerate these ridiculous accusations! This is a diplomatic matter, Morag. Do not make me search your ship. Good specific acting by that guard. <laughs> yes. Doesn't do much, just blocks the I door. did take the messages. Did you kill Lieutenant Rosha? No! I killed no one. There was no one there. I took the codes, but I killed no one. Governor, we would like Commander Morag to remain on board the Enterprise until this investigation is completed. Take him. This way. I guess it was earlier. I'm sorry. It's okay. Was it... Was the uh, what 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 turns out to be in the messages? I forget. You remember? Uh, I don't think they ever discuss it. Oh, what do you mean the ones she deleted? No, the ones that he took. Yeah, it's probably just like you know Starfleet stuff. <laughs> I'm curious what they were. Probably just like stuff about recipes for replicators. I took Rocha's journal entries. I found him to be very entertaining. I, was a <laughs> I love him. <laughs> what? Afraid that if they found the letter, they blame me for the murder. 
I'm not a model officer. I realize that. Sometimes I act on impulse instead of thinking things through. Well, that's Andy Zakunda's kind of officer right there. That is inaccurate. I like someone who thinks things through so much that they know more than their superior officer. Aquiel, this really complicates things. She'd been packed to leave. <laughs> Such a weird move. And then Jordy gets real close there. It's so crazy. What is his deal? I mean, his deal is her deal. You know, he loves her. He read her diary. It's so weird. It's like when you fall in love with a book, character in a book. <laughs> that would make more sense to me. And then you, <laughs> then you meet the character in the book and you start making out with the character in the book after they've been accused of murder <laughs> in the it's, real it's, world. That's the problem. It's like if it had been structured... So that she was, there was less doubt on a cast on her, and she was like, you know, uh, a damsel in distress, and and it just sort of, he already had this ground. It's like, all right, that's still a little bit of far fetched, <laughs> but she's so suspicious. <laughs> why would he? Why would he take this it's to the next level? It's pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting color on on the character, like yeah. that he's so. I don't know if desperate is the right word, but Jordy feels a, like he wants human contact more than anybody on the ship. Yeah. In the way that they have portrayed him with, like, the holodeck and, um, you know, when Brahms came back. like, But he has this right. habit of accidentally meeting his fictional versions. Like, he meets the real versions of these fictionalized in his head people. Yeah. And you really, would say, you'd think he would have learned from the last time with Leah. You would think, well, I don't, I think he's just, he's just socially, there's something going on. There's some kind of. Maybe his uh, visor picks up everything but social cues. Yeah, maybe it doesn't read faces or, I don't know, it doesn't explain. This is the thing, this is the thing I was going to say. Writing wise, I think I would have bought it more if the kiss had happened earlier in the yes, episode. Yes, yes, I agree. And then he finds out that she's more suspicious I think later. You, the kiss should happen before she finds out that he read all of her logs. Uh huh. So there's some account of like from both of them. Like there's like right. a little bit of leeway you can give both of them. Right. You can even let him give him more of a buy of like he starts to kiss her and then he and then that's when he's like, wait, I got to tell you. Yeah, this. and then that creates a catalyst for uh, some sort of fight. Right. And then they she does this, and then. I don't know. I don't know. Because then we have to do this whole thing with the um, with the ooze that turns into a person's hand. Get the resonance frequency burst. I don't know when we get to this question. Yeah, I don't know. Next. I don't know where Nurse Galway is, okay? I just feel like she could be saying a lot of lines she like, could be like right away, doctor. Four to five to seven lines right now. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say. Uh, I think I gave a guy. I gave it. I gave a. I gave an actor a fifth line the other day. Oh, that's nice. Just because I thought it was a funny button for the scene, <laughs> and then I was no, like, "No, you 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 didn't do it to give him a, a no." Five. Well, I mean, I didn't five. mind it because I thought yeah. it was a funny enough scene with the button. But also in my head, I was just like, "Oh man, if all five of these air, 
and someone someday does a podcast about this and they play yeah. that game, I'll be responsible for this going over five. Um, what I was, my question is, did Jordy and Aquiel have sex in this episode? I think they had uh, relations of sorts. I don't know if it was Halean relationships or 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 or. Uh, Doesn't go back to that. Was it Devanani Ra? No, it's uh, Man of the People. That Devanani Rao. Yeah. Was it Devanani Rao? That what? He's the best. I was going to say when we go, she does the gem thing, and I'm like, no, no, Jordy, she's Man of the People in you. I kind of was like, "This is what is she doing? Is she going to kill him? She's going to kill him with this thing." Even though I, think that's I, what we're I know to think. everything about Star Trek, and that mm-hmm. wasn't ever a possibility, I still was like, "Jordy, don't do this." I know. What's well, it's clearly supposed to be creepy and weird. Do you think they have chemistry, these two? Do I think they do? Yeah. No, I don't. The actors. I don't think they have chemistry. No. I think that Leah and Jordy had more chemistry. Or. Yes. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Both of them. Both versions of Leah. <laughs> I haven't been this close to someone in a long time. I don't want to let go of it. Neither do I, but... We've got 600 logs to go through. All right. But first, there's something I want to share with you. She goes over, pulls out Roach's body. A way that we can become more intimate. <laughs> Do you still care about me? <laughs> My people are partially telepathic. We use something called the Kanar to help focus our thoughts. We also use the Kanar for a stronger emotional link during love. It also sucks out your life energy and makes me immortal. I was wondering what that but was But it's for. so I can do the job of my diplomacies. <laughs> <laughs> so they do this. And then... So they we cut away for a while because we go to this. So they had to have had not only Halalian relations, but um, Earth relations as well. One would think. I, think. I would assume. Although when Riker goes to shoot her, or goes to take the potentially dangerous creature uh, into custody and brings his phaser, I feel like they're still kneeling at the bed. Yes, they are. So I think their hands are still touching. So I guess hey, maybe that- time jump. They're really doing that yeah. for a while. The organic matter taken from the deck plates. This hand was when so I creepy. I think it was effectively was- creepy and weird. Because it was uh, such a real looking hand? Yeah. The resonance frequency burst. You're not going to like your Christmas gift. It activated its <laughs> DNA. Then it touched my hand, and it began to mimic my cellular structure. Doctor, what exactly is this? This is it's going to sound very far-fetched, but have you ever heard of a coalescent organism? No. They're rare microscopic life forms which need to absorb other organisms in order to survive. Now that in itself isn't so unusual, but coalescence become the organisms they've absorbed right down to the cellular level. Do you think this is what happened with your hand? There have been reports that these organisms can exist on a larger scale. Certainly what happened to my hand seems to support that theory. So you're saying that Rocha was killed by one of these organisms? It's possible that something happened to him before he reported for duty on the relay station. I do not understand. I've checked the records. Before he was posted to the relay station, Rocha served on an outpost in the Triona system. 
Now that is a remote sector. Maybe he was absorbed by a coalescent during that mission. So what boarded the station could have been an okay, organism so that looked... I see. So it's not Rocha. It was never Rocha. It was never Rocha. I wonder why Rocha... So Rocha is a like... model officer. <laughs> and Rocha is belligerent. No, I think... I think that maybe there's a little truth to what Aquiel was saying. Like, this Rocha was bad at being Rocha. You're saying the creature was the bad The creature at being was Rocha. bad at being Rocha. But the dog seems to be good at being a dog, unless the original dog was a dick. Or the original dog slept all the time. This dog seems slightly more active. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, what I'm saying is, like, it doesn't quite... Maybe it doesn't... Maybe it's like Pet Cemetery a little bit, you know? In what sense? Like, I'll take over, you know, bringing back the child, but it's uh, evil. Right. Uh, maybe, Ex- maybe... Except that the dog it, acts normal. But maybe the dog was a dick to start. Right, right, right. Although it would have, you know, would have been a nicer clue if she, maybe would have tipped it too much if she, she said this new Rocha character is crazy. Every time I talk to him, he's like, <laughs> kind of. But also, if she had said something to the effect of like, oh, what's wrong, Mora? You like you usually Mara, Mora, Mora, Mora. What's wrong, Mora? You usually like to eat, blah blah blah. You know, just something like a little off with the behavior of the dog. Why are you eating those pieces of tin? Yeah, where are those boots? I'm gonna go. Oh, like that's the other thing. <laughs> Jordy takes off his shoes How in her fucking cabin. <laughs> no, that's his cabin, right? No, he's hanging out in her cabin. Oh. Oh. What? No. I'm pretty sure. No, no. All right. Relax. No way. <laughs> I, that's why I was thinking. I think that he's like stays down there and who no, knows, sleeps is, there. This is this is this is her. This is Jordy's room. Jordy's room. Yeah, this is Jordy's room. The Enterprise. Have you read it? I'm uh, not much for gothic fiction. Wait, oh, not, not, not this one. The earlier scene is the boot scene. No, is it really? I think see. I think so. No, I can't believe that. Somehow that's the most unbelievable thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) Said a lot of things to you. (laughs) Hundreds of hours of things. I think it's like, isn't it right at the end with Riker? It could be Morag. We don't know for sure. Sure. Get some rest. You've had a rough couple of days. Thanks. Let me if the dog absorbed Riker right there. Why did the dog where choose is then? This? Where is this thingamajiggy? The 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 the, the boot scene, the classic boot scene. I think it's earlier. Let me see. I'm having a hard time believing. Like that's the craziest thing that he's here? ever done. That's the crazy. If he if he takes his shoes Nine, off while they shut down. in her quarters, that's the that's it. He's the most insane <laughs> character I've ever seen. Is it here with social yeah. you know right, social cues, etc. You're going in a different direction. Than I'm no, it's in his quarters. It's right here. It's not like you. What a naughty dog. It's all right. Don't worry about it. At least she's chewing him up in pairs. <laughs> Thank God. All right, all right. Thank God, Jordy. He's still leaning back and, and oh, drinking Oh, thank drinks, God, so. Jordy. <laughs> Jordy, I was so worried. 
is this? You will come with me. You've never been as close to someone as you are about to be. Think of me. I mean, Starfleet used those motion picture, uh, not motion picture, uh, Wrath of Khan uniforms for like 60 years. Yeah. Because like Kirk, Kirk wears them and then Picard wears them. Right. That's Jack though. Crusher has them on. But I mean, you go back to TOS in these outfits, and I guess they don't really seem the same. They're, but they're definitely the same from Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Step away from him, Lieutenant. Will, are I was just about to get it on. That may not be Lieutenant Do <laughs> you see the gem, Will? What? What are you saying? Step away. Now. Weird they send the first officer down to do that. It's <laughs> true. Medical officer's log supplemental. Commander Morag and Lieutenant Unari are being kept under close observation. So far, no sign of coalescent behavior has surfaced. Aquiel and Morag will be transferred to a secure medical facility on Star Trek 12. Maybe we'll know more by the time we... Bad specific acting by by the the guard behind Riker. When... uh... (laughs) So the guard behind Worf did a much better the, job of the being... The Klingon guard, very good. The uh, Yeah, but what about the security officer behind Worf that shows Morag which way to walk? I think she I think she was sound. And the other guy, you're like, no bueno. No. Okay. We get there. Yeah, right. No reaction. It could be no. Morag. Stoic. We don't know yeah. for sure. No, not stoic. Sure. It was it was no reaction. You didn't have enough. Yeah, you can have it behind the eyes. You're like, oh, I really hope that uh, I hope this really works out. And I that, thought uh, he was excellent. Get some rest. <laughs> well, you don't you don't have your own days. school. What do you know? Thanks. <sighs> Computer. Display the engineering duty roster for the next three days. Compare this to pre Jellico. <laughs> and play Aquil's diaries in the background. Also, bring up an image of uh, Leah Brahms. <laughs> Why does the dog do this? Mara, I said not. I think it's because it wants to eat Jordy and take over his body. Right? See, and it's going at its pant leg? I don't know. Also, I love that Jordy just has a phaser at the red. And he dials it up to 10. I, it was very loud. Maybe the reason you don't remember anything that happened after Rojo attacked you was that the coalescing process had begun. Why is Jordy wearing, like, a version of a Starfleet uniform? Remember when you said you felt like the memories That's had been cash. drained right out of you? But that's probably exactly what was going on. You're on a date. Then maybe I did take the phaser. Well, whatever happened, at least you got away before the process took hold. And after you killed so Rocha. he turned on more. Right. Well. So I abandoned what my happened? dog. 
I guess I'll be going to Starbase 212 for reassignment. You know, I had a conversation with Chief Pendleton in communications, and there's an opening for a level two specialist. Really? I'm sure the waiting list is so long. That'd be great before I got here. I could put in a good word. It's an appealing offer, but I think I'd rather get here on my own merits. That's your first mistake, Aquiel. Don't be surprised if you see my <laughs> you name on that on list. Nepotism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weird music to play. Still like a little suspicious. Well, also, this shot of the Enterprise. This shot yeah. of the Enterprise. The impulse engines aren't on, and they're not traveling at warp. Where would where would the impulse engines would be behind the disc? Right. Yeah. Right at the right right where the neck of the uh, Enterprise is. Uh, would we be able to watch. see them on? Yeah, we should. Mm, boy, oh boy, I don't yeah, know. They're what just to do. drifting. I don't know what to do about this episode pretty weird it's definitely a weird episode there's no getting around that (laughs) who puts it together the most crusher it is crusher yeah as far as i'm concerned i mean jordy does the killing of the creature but i I think this should be dedicated to lieutenant keith rocha (laughs) <laughs> who never got his chance to serve a ba- aboard Array 47. Uh, yeah, I think it's Crusher again. Way to go, Beverly. It's sort of an interesting question of how conscious is the creature that they're creatures once they become the person. Whoa. Everybody. Or are they mind. just sort of going through their lives? Hang on. I'm going to pull a page out of Laura Dern's book. Whoosh. Just over <laughs> my head, man. That's just over my head. You're you're acting. Oh, you're just thinking on levels I haven't even conceived of. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a complicated, uh, you know, deep person. How many Andy's does this episode get? This episode, this episode of TNC gets a one point five, and this episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I don't understand it. I don't know. I got to give it like a three point five. Yeah. I like the beginning. I like that there's a mystery. I like I like that they were trying to do a Geordie romance plot, but they just went in the weird direction again. Um, doesn't add up to much, does it? I like I like Beverly kind of getting into it. I like the interaction with Worf and the other the Klingons. I like how Picard handles it. But they all feel a little bit like they're... They're like elements that were fastened on a an episode that just didn't have enough. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, oh, we're pretty close. That's yeah. reasonable. All right. Well, let's take a look at the trailer for next week's uh, episode, which I believe is Face of the Enemy, uh, which is a great Troy episode. I don't want to spoil anything. We're, we're deep in it. We're deep in season six, everybody. Six fourteen. I know. It feels like uh, we're we're cruising. Soon we're going to be out of material. I think this is the longest sustained period where we've been doing four episodes every month. That may be accurate. Uh, uh, 
but here we ready, go. Ready. We'll hit play. Three, two, one. I didn't hit play at the right <laughs> Troy is forced to impersonate a Romulan officer. I've been kidnapped, surgically altered, put in danger. In a daring mission to save the life of a government defector. Your only chance to get off this ship alive is to do as I say. Now, at the risk of being caught, can she escape a showdown with her own crew? Destroy them. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Seems promising. Uh, I I agree. It's great. It's a good trailer. Good trailer. Well done, trailer. Good trailer. I give that trailer the MVC. All right. (laughs) For the trailer. It's the trailer. Face the enemy's trailer is great. All right, oh, you didn't, you didn't hit the uh, thing of whether you think I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, is that for this? I guess or it is, is, is that right? for something else? I don't know. Uh, Guys, oh, okay. I, I apologize. Go. I, go. I, I, hey, Matt, I apologize for will Andy enjoy this episode? Yeah, I think he'll like it quite a bit and be excited by it. And now, guess Andy's ranking. Ah, 9.5. Probably. Maybe higher. Yeah, I like to raise your expectations up so when it doesn't meet them, yeah. you come down to my level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guys, thanks for listening. Sorry we were so long-winded and uh, tired, and I apologize. But, you know, we're here for you. That's what's important. Yeah. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President's Circle for $17.01 per month.